boxing fans, welcome to another edition of the Rope A Dope Podcast. I'm your host, Gene Morgan. Oh, what a great show we have for you today. We're going to have on the former light middleweight champion of the world, Austin, no doubt, trapped. Very excited to have him on. Talk about his life, his career, everything that's going on with him. I'm excited. Before we get into that, let's highlight this week in boxing. We just got a report that I read on East Side Boxing. Very very uh, well-researched website that I really enjoy reading, <laughs> that there appears to be a rumor that there may be a fight between Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz. <laughs> it's almost like a nursery rhyme right there. Uh, as for that fight, I'm really excited for it, if it does happen. Both these fighters coming off incredibly, uh, incredible losses. Andy Ruiz to Anthony Joshua in the rematch, and Luis Ortiz in the rematch with Deontay Wilder. So, as for who would win that fight, I think it's a little bit too early to give my prediction. Um, but if I were to pick a fight right now, or pick a uh, winner right now, I would have to go with Luis Ortiz. Just because he's got a longer reach. I think he's fought the better competition. He's looked, uh, he's looked great against the better competition. He was winning the fight against Deontay Wilder until he got that incredible knockout in the seventh. Um, Andy Ruiz, I mean, I hope he gets back on track. He's an incredible fighter. He's got incredible gifts, but you just don't know what kind of what uh, losing does to a man, and especially losing in such like when all he had to do was just get by. Even if he looked good against Anthony Joshua, I think he would have been forgiven. But he just he didn't really show the same kind of fire that he showed in the first fight against AJ. But if that fight does happen, it really is going to be a redemption fight. I certainly. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, so yeah, that's just a rumor right now. But and what is confirmed? So we're really sticking with the heavyweights today. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the fight between uh, Adam Konacki and Robert Helenus. Um, personal reasons: I'm Polish and Finnish, and Robert Helenus is Finnish, and Adam Konacki is Polish. So it really is <laughs> um, my bloodline, if you will, <laughs> going in the ring. As for who would win that fight? I'm actually going to go on the upset here. I'm going to pick Robert Hellenus to win that fight. He's got a longer reach. He's got a better jab. He's a, he was a great amateur. He's got that great amateur background. So that's why I would probably favor Robert Hellenus in this fight. Yes, he's had some setbacks. Uh, his most recent notable fight was against Gerald Washington, where he lost. And he looked good up until the knockout. <laughs> I mean, everybody looks good. But at the point, Adam Konacki he's still a bit of a question mark for me. He's still, um, he's got incredible knockout power, but <laughs> I don't know, man. We'll we'll see. It's gonna be a great fight. That's gonna happen. In, that's happening on March seventh, I believe. And of course, the fight that's happening this Saturday, the one that the whole world is talking about, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury for the WBC and lineal heavyweight championship of the world. Given my prediction already, I think, here's my final prediction. I think Wilder KO in the seventh. I really feel like that's going to be when Wilder knocks out Fury. Now, again, I know nobody's ever knocked out Fury before, but in his last few fights, uh, Fury hasn't looked that impressive. Uh, he didn't look good against Tyson Fury. He looked, I mean, he didn't look good against Deontay Wilder. Yeah, he looked good against 
Um, I can't remember his name, but he didn't look that great against Otto Whalen, the fighter from Sweden. It's going to be a heck of a fight. <laughs> remember, all Deontay Wilder needs to do is just land that one right hand, and we'll see what happens. Um, but now, now, any more further introductions, please... Stay tuned. That was my recap of boxing on the week. A lot of heavyweight news. <laughs> boxing is good when the, heavyweight, when the heavyweight division is good. All right. Thank you for listening. And when we come back, we will have Austin No Doubt Trout. Very excited for this interview. Thanks for listening, guys. Here comes Austin Trout. All right. We're here live with the former light middleweight champion of the world, New Mexico's own Austin Trout. Thank you so much for being on, man. I'm really, really excited to have you on. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, first of all, I just want to say, um, your last fight down at welterweight, uh, I was really impressed by how you were able to come down that way, and you look so natural at that way. Is that going to be the future going forward, do you think? you think you're going to stay at welterweight? Yeah. What I can do with this welterweight division, I, when I made the decision to come down, it's because I didn't want to end my career by figuring out what if. Yeah. And uh, so, you yeah, know, we're going to play and, you know, hopefully I'm making enough noise at welterweight that, you know, I can get some rematches at junior middle. There's been some talk about you fighting Danny Garcia. Are those, is that, are those just rumors, or was that a fight that you would like to pursue? Oh, it's definitely a fight I'd like to pursue. You know, I think as of right now, it's just rumors. But, yeah. you know, we can, we can will our way, and, I, and I, you know, I like to will that fight into existence. All right. So we're going to take it back all the way to the beginning. Uh, I already said you were from New Mexico. Where where exactly were you born? I was actually born in El Paso, Texas. Okay. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, I was brought right over to New Mexico, which is right next door, you know, 30 minutes away. Right. Uh, my mother was in the military, so part of risky being from Brooklyn, New York. Oh, shit, really? Uh, we're in Brooklyn right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, man, what, where in Brooklyn is your mom from? Oh, uh, she's at Bay. Oh, shit, that's a great neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. You know, my grandparents did big thing back in the day. Right, yeah. Um, but uh, so she, she wanted to have her baby in a military hospital, which right. is why she, she drove to El Paso. Okay, okay. So what was life growing up like for you? Any brothers, sisters? Yeah, I have a little sister um, that I grew up with. You know, I have a little brother mm-hmm. you know, that I didn't necessarily grow up with, but we're still real close. Yeah. Um, Since you were the oldest child in your family, did you have to protect your younger siblings a lot? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it was, it was had that that role of looking out. Hello? Yeah, sorry about that. We lost you there for a sec. You still there? Uh, uh, yeah, I was saying I definitely had the role of looking out for for my younger siblings. Right. So, what age did boxing enter your life? Yeah, I was like 10 years old when I first started boxing. Okay. 
Was that? Yeah, of course, as a ten-year-old, you didn't take everything too serious, and I did other things. I played other sports, but mm-hmm. I always came back to boxing. Mm-hmm. Almost like I've heard Floyd Patterson say that boxing's like a wife. You know, you could be mad at it, but you always come back to it. Is that uh, how what your experience was like? Absolutely. You know, sometimes it's definitely a volatile, toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. But you, just, you know, but there's that that love for the game that. You know, even that that kind of amateur love I said, and when I say it, it's because it's just the in the amateurs, man, we did crazy road trips. You know, ten kids in a minivan. You know, ten kids in a hotel room, not for any money, but just to compete. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that that love is what keeps me personally into the game. Even you know, though the boxing has at times not been too kind, but in other times as well, you know, it's been such a blessing. It's let me see the world. It's provided me a career that I can provide for my family. Um, and it's a love-hate relationship. I hear you. Right now, as long as the love is outweighs the hate, you know, I'm going to do it. Right. Now, you were an incredible amateur, but you didn't make the Olympic team. And that was, that used to be like you had to make, as if you're an American and you wanted to like get a good head start, you had to make the Olympic team. Um, do you feel like that that's still the case, or do you think that we've gone away from, like, you have to be an Olympian? Yeah, yeah, we definitely have gone away from, from being an Olympian. And although I wasn't the Olympian, I was, all, I was the Olympic alternate, which right. I thought would have been, uh, you know, good enough in right. a sense. But no, no I, I think after I think that after the 2000 Olympics, um, being an Olympian lost its, its flair. Mm-hmm. Um no shade to any Olympians, because that was a dream of mine, not for for becoming um, rich in the pros, but because because I wanted to be the best amateur I could be, and being an Olympic gold medalist meant that. So, um, you know, I still hold it in high regard, but I don't feel like the professional boxing world holds it as high of a regard right. as it used to. You were on that 2000 Olympic team, um, which... 2004. 2004, excuse me, um, which had probably the uh, one of the most impressive fighters uh, of my era. Certainly, it was Andre Ward. What was it? Did you get a chance to spar with him at all? And what was that like if you did? Yeah, I never got a chance to spar with him, but I definitely got to watch and, and observe and, and learn a lot from from just not, from just not just his boxing in the ring, but also just his work ethic, his uh, training techniques, his eating habits. You know, I really got to. Sit there and observe one of the greatest pound-for-pound fighters of, of our generation, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And so, yeah, it was definitely a blessing to be around that that kind of greatness. And, you know, Andre Ward wasn't the only one. Even though he was going but Andre Durrell, too. Andre Durrell, yeah. He was, a, he was a really good fighter. Rashid Ward, three-time Olympian. You know, mm-hmm. I got to What do you think it would take to make uh, Olympic boxing big in America again? To start winning medals, what do you, what do you think would help? Hello? Well, you know, I think we're, right now. I, I believe that Aiba is not even doing Olympic boxing no more. They have yeah. a whole new um, company behind it, which that, that could help. Um, I believe they're doing. They are taking the necessary steps. They're, they're going back to the to the you know. Three two split five zero kind of judging instead of the point judging, which made amateur boxing real boring. Let's just keep it real. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know they they made it a more pro style again as, as it used to be back in I want to say back in the seventies and eighties. 
that's they're already taking the right steps to make you know amateur boxing and, and Olympic boxing more uh, animal. I think they need more world games and every you know. Well, I didn't know the Olympics every four years, and then they got the Pan Am Games, or like every two years. Right. I think they need more world, more world games. Right. I know China; they're all about trying to, you know, prove their their place in America in the the world ranking. So, you know, having a big world boxing stage in China, I think that'd be dope. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. So, when you came out of the amateurs, was it just always on your mind to turn pro? Like, did did you have any other careers that you maybe wanted to pursue? So when you turned pro, uh, did you find more supporters or uh, did you find more uh, haters when you turned pro? You know, there was a lot of support when I initially turned pro in my town. And, and, and you know, in fact, there's never in, a, never in my career that I feel that I never had the support from my town. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe at times it wasn't as much support as I wanted, but everybody showed, you know, hey, for the most part, shows love, and you know you're always going to have the haters. Right. Um, but I, I honestly, I don't pay no attention to no negative comments, anything like that anymore. Whereas all I see is the love. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. So, so if there's more hate than there is love, it don't affect me because I don't pay to ignore it. That's all I got to do for haters that really ain't doing nothing. You just ignore them and they die. <laughs> That's a good point. Now, you mentioned your hometown. I want to talk about your home state of New Mexico, which has turned out quite an impressive uh, list of fighters. Who, in your opinion, is the best fighter to come out of New Mexico other than yourself? Um, I have my answer. I'll wait for yours. <laughs> the best fighter, you know... You can say yourself if you want. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely want to say myself, but beside myself, I, I'm, I'm torn between Bob Foster and Johnny Tapia. Uh, those were the two names I was thinking too. No love for uh. Those are my two. And, and then for females, Holly Holm and Holly Holm really should be on the list. Yeah. Uh, she got just as many world titles. Mm -hmm. I believe it's John with. Yeah. But skill, skill wise, um, you know, I'm, I'm going with Bob Foster. Legacy wise too. I mean, he, he beat everybody. Did you ever get a chance to meet any of those legends? Oh, absolutely. I was I was blessed to be in the presence of Bob Foster and Johnny Tapia. Johnny lived in Las Cruces for quite a while, and, and you know, I got to train with him and, you know, with his son. Mm -hmm. So that's so that's incredible. Um, when you turn pro and you're moving your way up the ranks, what fighter taught you the most uh, in the ring as a lesson in terms of like, oh, I should probably try to uh, learn how to do that when you were coming up? Yeah, I, I love watching... Zab Judah because he was a lefty. Right. I love watching Bruno Whitaker. Um, those ones are, I like to watch and learn from. And you know, I learned to learn from everybody, but you know, if I was going to study, it was going to be a lefty. Right. Now, I was definitely influenced by uh, Roy Jones Jr. You know, he was he was that guy. Mm -hmm. He was the pin me a box for, for me growing up. Um, but my mom, she, she put me on, on game and all the... the the greats, you know, uh, we watched plenty of Ali film, plenty of Leonard film, a lot of Hagler, a lot of uh, Hearns. Uh, you know, she was a big fan, so she put me on game to the, to the greats. Now, you're pretty big 
for a uh, light middleweight and especially big for a welterweight. Have you ever had any problems making weight? Not, nah. Really? And honestly, I'm making weight better now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really just the discipline in between fights that, that's made the difference. Because I've heard of, like, some... We had Paul Vaden on, former light middleweight champion. He was talking about how he would only have, like, one lean cuisine a week or a day. Sorry. So you've never had to, like, starve yourself to make weight? Well, you know, the last couple of days are definitely a dry-out kind of day. But for the fight week, no, no. I'm, I'm eating, you know, two, three times a day. Okay. Drinking water. Nice. Um, and, and, you know, it's really just, again... Figuring out what my blood type was and what things are good and bad for my blood type. It's things that my body chemically will burn off and uses energy efficiently. And there's things not so much, you know, that end up sticking on me. So getting down to science was also a good, good thing, too. When you had to go down to Mexico to fight uh, Rigoberto Alvarez, uh, was there any sort of, like, fear in your mind that you wouldn't get the decision? Yes, there was always a fear in my mind, and honestly, I was nervous that we were going on a, it was Canelo's brother fighting on uh, a Canelo promoted card in Mexico, you know, right. and um, that was one of my worries, like, man, we better have judges, and, you know, of course, they're like, yeah, 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 we promised, but then it was like, I had a dream that I was in a Mexican restaurant that's, you know, here in Las Cruces, and for some reason, you know, out of the kitchen just came hordes, like, you know, multiple, multiple Hispanic fighters coming towards me to fight, and I was just knocking them out one by one by one. And, you know, I felt like that was God telling me, nah, man, go to Mexico, you're going to be all right. Yeah. And we were. You know, we were good. <laughs> I mean, wow. What a premonition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, defending your title, would you say that the Kodo fight was your... Uh, best defense, and if it wasn't, what would you say was your best defense of your title? Well, you know, the Dakota fight was definitely my best win, yeah. best defensive win, but you know, the Canelo fight was pretty big, and it was a yeah. good fight. But yeah, the Dakota fight, because I won it, it was, it was definitely my best fight to date. Yeah. Uh, the magnitude of the fights was probably me and Canelo, and I think that was a bigger fight. I mean, I got to be honest, I I thought Cotto, I, I'm sorry, I got to say, but I thought Cotto was going to win that fight. And did you feel like everybody was against you before that Cotto fight? I think everybody just didn't know. Right. They didn't know no better. <laughs> so I, 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 I learned them some. <laughs> <laughs> you taught me a lesson that day. <laughs> I was so, yeah, because I live in New York. I thought, oh, it's Cotto, he's going to win. And then, you know, who's Austin Trout? And then you just came onto the scene. You became one of my favorite fighters after that. Um, hey, I appreciate that. I'm looking to, to. I think they already counted me out. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned the Alvarez fight. Um, I got to ask, did you feel like. Was there, like, too much pressure on you to win that fight, you feel like? Or did you feel, you know, did you feel loose going in? Nah, there wasn't too much pressure. I felt like. It was on him. Um, he was the superstar, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Nobody thought I was supposed to win the Cotto fight. I don't think anybody thought I was going to put up a good showing against the Canelo. Um, my thing was, I got better treatment as far as judging goes, as far as officials go, as far as contracts go. 
um, as far as room and travel went, going and fighting in Mexico than I did in Texas fighting Canelo. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> I mean, did, was the, uh, did you like, so, okay, what I'm trying to say here is, um, it's hard to stay hungry after you win a big fight and after you win a championship. Has, have you found that way? Like, are you, or are you still motivated to keep going? I'm definitely motivated to keep going. Yeah. And, um, I was motivated, you know, after the Canelo fight, which is why I was like, man, give me every, give me the fuck guy that nobody wants to fight. I was like, well, nobody wants to fight Laura. So, <laughs> so uh, I took that fight and, you know, I should have taken some time to right. get my head right. <laughs> but, um, Nah, man, I'm, I'm still hungry, and, and I feel like I always had to do more than most to get the little I got, you know, and, and um, even when I was, quote-unquote, on the top, I was still treated like, you know, lightweight, like the B-side. I just, I just made myself the A, you know what I mean? I hear you. Um, so I've yet to get to get that red carpet treatment, whereas where I can not be so hungry. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, look at my career the last five years. I've, I've taken five years of layoffs. Right. And come back and fight a killer. It was hard. It's hard to make a living with just one fight a year. You th- is there another fight planned for later this year for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get things worked out so that we could go to Ireland end of April. Oh, are you serious? Who are you going to be fighting in Ireland? Uh, right now, the name we got is Tyrone Nurse. Okay. You know, he's, he's got a he's a good fighter, good record. He's a uh, British champion. Okay. Um, but you know, if they don't get the money right, then they gotta find a lesser opponent. <laughs> <laughs> Just be careful if you go to Ireland, man. The beer over there is so much better. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, yeah. I'm trying to figure it out after the fight. Oh my god, I can tell you some nights. All right. Um, your your nickname, no doubt, Trout. Uh, was that just because it rhymes with your last name, Trout, or did or is that what all anyone ever ever ah is that what everybody's called you? Trials, 2004 Olympic Trials. Um, Jason Estrada, who's the you know the heavyweight Olympian, super heavyweight Olympian. I came, I came out of nowhere, just like the pros and the amateurs. I came out of nowhere and was in the Olympics, made it to Olympic Trials, was winning. You know, people were like, who the hell? Where does this guy from New Mexico come from? And I remember Jason Estrada, like it was like almost semis. He's like, hey, yo, Trout. You winning this whole thing, son, no doubt, you know. Hey, yo, I like that, no doubt, Trout. <laughs> yeah, that's what you got. So he kind of gave me the name. Nice. Then, and, you know, like I said, he was he was already, he was favorite to win. He was winning things easily, you know what I mean? And he, he was he was that guy for the 2004, I believe he was a captain. Right. Would you ever consider possibly getting a new nickname right now, uh, now that you've gone, now that you've fought in, uh, for over 10 years, like kind of like what Bernard Hopkins did. Yeah, yeah, I've been thinking about it, but you know, I feel like nicknames have to come. You can't give yourself one. Vander Holyfield did. He called himself the Warrior, and everyone's like, yep, that, that, we'll call him that. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I am, I'm thinking about it. Right now, I still like the No Doubt moniker. Okay. You know, it's, but um, if something comes and catches my eye, we're going to, we're going to, Pretty boy Floyd, it's Money Mayweather. There we go. That's that's so brilliant. <laughs> you could be, I don't know, uh, I mean, something New Mexico, uh, Mike El Lobo Trout, I don't know, the Coyote. 
Yeah. Right, right. Or, or since this New Mexico State fish is the cutthroat trout, I call myself Austin Cutthroat Trout. Oh my God, that's so brilliant. That's amazing. I'm about to write that down. Please. That's a really good one. That's a really good one. Oh, I had no idea. All right. Right. I was born. To, I was born to represent New Mexico. You sure. really were. Um. So one question, a couple questions that we always ask champions that we have that I've had on the show is um your championship belt. It's very. What is the most memorable place you've brought your championship belt? Um. Well, when I first won it, I couldn't really take it off. So I was in locker rooms, bathrooms. The most memorable place. I guess walking through the mall, that was fun. <laughs> My hometown mall when I first won it. See, here's the thing. When I won the belt in Mexico, I, you know, leaving the airport, the fans swarmed. They saw on TV. They were swarming pictures, autographs, everything. I wasn't used to it. But I was like, yo, I can get used to this, right? Right. And then when I got to El Paso, I was ready because I was like, yeah, it's going to be great, son. Man, I was about to be ready to fire up. Before nobody was there. Nobody uh-huh. cared. It was, I don't even think they even knew mm-hmm. that I was a champion. So I was like, oh, no, they don't know I'm champion now. So I paraded my belt everywhere. <laughs> you know, good move so That's after great. receiving it. That's great. Um, what is one fighter... Throughout history, either in your division or another division, that you would have liked to have fought. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um. I wanted to fight Roy Jones Jr. for so long, but now the greatest, you know, of all time. Who I think the consensus consensus is Sugar Ray Robinson. I would like to fight him. So you're calling out the greatest of all times with uh, Sugar Ray yeah, Robinson. You match up. I want to be the goat. Okay. <laughs> So both, how do you think both those fights would have gone? You think you would have won? I think I have been Robinson than Roy Jones. Okay. Interesting. Which is, you know, sounds messed up, but I think Roy was, was naturally bigger. Yeah. Or or if I could have fought Roy at 154. No, no, he was always a what, middleweight. He started at middleweight, and then he moved up to yeah. super and light. Um, I catch him at middleweight. When he was really making weight, I think I would have caught him. Got him. <laughs> Just like that, if I would have caught him, Robinson, you know, at, at lightweight. And he was never lightweight. He was, just, he was just middle, light, heavy, and heavy, right? Uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, he never went up to heavyweight. Never did, okay. Yeah, he went up to light heavyweight and lost. Yeah, if I caught him at middleweight, we would have boogie. <laughs> that would have been a great fight. So what's the most memorable place you've ever fought at? An arena, a stadium? Um, it was in Panama. Panama was probably the most memorable place. Yeah. It was a great fight, too. Okay. That's Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Um, I would have guessed Madison Square Garden or Barclays Center or something. You know, the Madison Square Garden was amazing. It was great. But um, just the whole, everything around Panama... And, and again, that fight, it was a better fight than the Cota fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was a great fight no one got to see, unfortunately. Right. What's the best piece of advice you've ever you've ever received in between rounds in your corner? Can you think of anything? Stop making, stop making this shit so hard. <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? Barry. 
Oh. Mariana, so. you like, you over here making this hard, man. <laughs> this man can't touch you. Nothing, and you just standing there letting him. <laughs> so I got to ask, um, one thing, do you, do you like the post-fight interviews or do you, do you wish they didn't do them? Because like, you know, you just got done fighting 10, 12 rounds. Now you've got to give an interview. Would you like that if they stop? I, I don't personally like doing them, right? but at the same time, you think about it, um, they are, they are very good. Cause right then is when you get the, the raw emotion, they don't have much time to like prepare right. a politically correct answer. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's very good to and especially if you get somebody to ask a good question, you know, I hate when they're, hey, uh, so how did you feel about the fight? <laughs> it's a general stupid question. Like, if you get the right questions, you can get some real good, raw emotions um, out of a fighter. So for TV purposes, for the, the fans' purpose, I, I like the after, the in-ring after-fight interview. Okay. And then a couple more questions, and I'll get you out of here. Um, do you watch boxing when you when you aren't fighting? Like, do you watch a card on ESPN or Showtime or DAZN or anything? Oh yeah, yeah, I, I love you know trying to catch all the PBC fights. Okay. Um, no fights they've been bringing it lately. So I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the game first. Nice. Okay, and then I want to ask you some questions about New Mexico. Then we'll get out of here. Do you feel like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are accurate representations of your state? <laughs> Right. And you live in Las Cruces, home of New Mexico State. Do you think New Mexico State will ever have a good basketball and football program? Well, let me go ahead and just uh, tell you right now. They, they won a bowl game, what, two years ago? You're right. I was wrong. I apologize. And uh, the basketball has been whack champion probably four or five times in a row. Uh, they made it to the Sweet 16. Really? Mm. Okay. Because I know you guys used to have that seven-footer from, I believe, India, who was just amazing. Yeah, yeah. He was good. But, yeah, we've our, our program has gotten very good. We're... we're we're competitors now. Okay. And really, not just us. You know, uh, the Lobos been good too, and UTEP have finally gotten a good, decent basketball team again. I mean, that. I mean, UTEP will always be famous for uh, what is it when they beat Kentucky in the national championship game in the fifties? So, that's right. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. That's like a hotbed of just sports excellence. Was you know that whole area, and it really is an interesting area because I've never been there. I've never been to El Paso or you know, Las Cruces or anything. Um, but you know, one of these days. <laughs> get around to going there. Um, all right. Final question, then we'll get you out of here because I know you, you've got a busy day ahead of you. Uh, do you uh, <laughs> do you plan on ever possible? What's what do you plan on doing after you get done with fighting? Do you have any plans at all? Any interests? Well, you know, my shoes are income. I got ATM business. I got um, uh, actually Parkinson's boxing therapy uh, class that I that I throw. I am trying to get some, you know, real estate things, blah, 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 all that boring stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm for sure going to have something to do with boxing. I have to. You know, I got to teach these kids and try to guide some of some young fighters right. their way through this, this game. Um, you know, being a dad has is, is been the dopest thing I've ever done. So to be able to focus solely on that would be cool. Looking forward to that. All right, man. 
Uh, this, this has been a great interview. I hope this fight in April goes off, goes uh, off without a hitch. Good luck in your future, man. And thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Ross. All right, man. Take care, champ. Have a good rest of your day. All right, take care. All right, that was former light middleweight champion Austin No Doubt Trout. Hopefully, he'll be Austin Cutthroat Trout real soon. That'd be a great nickname moniker for him. I am Gene Morgan. This has been another episode of the Ropadope Podcast. Uh, please follow us on Facebook at Ropadope Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at Ropadope Podcast. All right, fight fans, till next time, have a good rest of your day, and keep fighting.